Welcome to the Salvation Army's Behind the Shield. Each week, we'll be bringing you conversations about the mission of the Salvation Army right here in East Tennessee. For more information about the show and the work the Salvation Army is doing here in Knoxville, Tennessee, visit SalvationArmySoundcast.org forward slash BTS. Or you can visit SalvationArmyKnoxville.org. Hi, and welcome to another edition of the Salvation Army's Behind the Shield. And uh, I'm your host, Ron, and I'm sitting here with our area commander, Major Cameron Henderson. Hey, everybody. Hey, Ron. And we also have on the uh, on the loan, uh, on the loan, on the phone. <laughs> well, he's on loan. And, I, and, and I'm on loan. Too. And, yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. This is Dr. Kevin Ellers. He is with the Salvation Army in the Central Territory. And uh, his role, and I'm going to let you explain your, your title and your role, because I know it's emergency and disaster services, but um, you're going to be able to help me out a little bit on the details of what that really is. Uh, so if all of you out there that are listening, please help me welcome uh, Dr. Kevin Ellers to the show. Yay. Yay. There might be applause in there. Hey. I think it is. <laughs> <laughs> so you want me to introduce myself first? Yeah, yeah. please. Okay. Yeah, so I've been with the Salvation Army for 28 years, and so it's a long time. And some days it feels like it's longer than others when we're having our long disaster days. But um, yeah, I started out in social services, and I uh, was volunteering for the Salvation Army in our one of our children's shelters, and so mm-hmm. in Kansas City area wow. when I was going through seminary, and um, really developed a love for working with kids and families who were in crisis. And then I moved more into the social services piece and then started heading up our crisis response teams and then discovered disaster services back in the late nineties. And, and I, I never left so wow. 28 years later. So I'm, I'm still here. Wow. And I didn't mention that Kevin and I have known each other for quite a few years now. Um, we worked yeah. together previously and, um, and, uh, that's something I didn't know, um, about I, I, all, I mean, all this time I knew you, you had been with the Salvation Army, but I didn't know about that start in social services and everything. I, thank you for, for sharing that part. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one thing about the Salvation Army, you know, we really try to as much as possible integrate our services and that's what, that's what makes the Salvation Army so great because, you know, we're not top heavy at the top, but our, our local, you know, footprint is so amazing where we pull in our volunteers and our service extension units and our cores and that becomes our boots on the ground that we can get in there quickly. Well, we don't have to get in there. We're usually already there, right. <laughs> you know, but then we all come together and it's just amazing how God uses this in the orchestration to to really, you know, accomplish some stuff and really help people quickly yeah. and efficiently. Now, you, and I ha- actually remember a quote from you that I I, I, I remember hearing years ago uh, when I first met you. And uh, that quote, it's actually, it's very profound, but it's it seems elementary too. But uh, you said, we are designed to heal in community. And mm-hmm. that always stuck with me. And, um, and of course, my work with disaster services and everything, I just, uh, I, I enjoy that work, chaplaincy work. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I love that. But when you said that, that resonated with me and I've kept that. I've held on to that for years now. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and I don't even know if you remember ever saying that. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, <clears throat> I, I say that a lot. You know, I do a lot of grief. My specialty has always been grief and, and trauma. Mm-hmm. And then especially how that relates to the disaster situation. But, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't think that God has designed us to be alone. Right. You know, there's times where I really practice a lot, especially I started a number of years ago going, go, going to a monastery once a year uh, for a week and just getting away and practicing stillness, silence, and solitude. Because wow. um, that's not easy for me. I'm a 
you know, type A fast paced disaster mm-hmm. guy who's always in the, you know, the go, go, go. And yeah. Ron knows how hard it's been to get me to slow down for a minute to do this interview. <laughs> Only a few weeks. <laughs> Only a few weeks. <laughs> there's things to go to do, people to help them. Um, but I, I think that's the big thing is, but we are not designed to heal alone and right. we are designed to, 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 to heal in community. And so I think that's God has designed a masterful way for us to really do that. And we often forget that because society tends to not promote that. It tends to segregate and separate. And, and, and the, the, the new um, research I was looking at a couple weeks ago that came out from the Surgeon General on loneliness. I don't know if you've seen that yet, but really showed that we have an epidemic of loneliness and people are, are more isolated. They have fewer contacts and they're not grounded in communities of faith. Yeah. And that's very concerning to me. Yeah. Wow. I, I think that's a beautiful um, way to put it though. So Ron, either one of you say that again. So we're designed to heal in community In community. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's, yeah. that's a beautiful thing. Um, one of the important things to me has been discipling in community and to help the church rediscover um, the willingness and um, well, the willingness to be vulnerable and to find ourselves a wonderful place in community, and that's great. That that's yeah. where you find healing as well. Yeah, and that's what I love about disaster services because I mean, so many of our Salvation Army programs that we we utilize, and I love all of them, and they're all important in their own way. But a lot of times we help uh, segregated, you know, people and population groups. A lot of times we focus on the lower socioeconomic or people who are kind of disenfranchised or have addictions. But, you know, when you go into a disaster scene, it affects all those people, plus your donors, Mm, (laughs) plus the millionaires, you know, I'll never forget. There was this, there was this lady who had lost her house and she was about this 85 year old African-American lady. And she was standing with her son and her grandson and her grandson uh, looked at her and he said, grandma, he said, why is that, that, guy over here they're taking all the the, the, the funds and the, and the food from the poor and they're 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 rich and they had this big house is after hurricane katrina and she looked oh. at him and she told me she said i remember what i said to him she said honey child she said today we're all poor and she said mm. that guy's has all this money but he can't access it and today we all need food you know and that that was such a powerful moment for me when i realized is how we you know show up in a community and we are present with people you know, we serve both the rich and the poor, and it's equal footing at that point. And it's really, really, it's really an interesting thing to watch because they're not used to it. Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, I thank you for that perspective. That's uh, I like that uh, that you bring that. Uh, that you see something that's it's a it's an equalizer. And I think actually Major Cam and I were speaking off off air just a, a few moments ago, and he mentioned roughly the same thing that it's it's kind of an equalizer. Mm-hmm. It kind of brings levels the playing field, so to speak. Mm. Yeah. Well, go ahead. Uh, what's going on in Central Territory? So, well, first of all, in Central Territory, you're based in Chicago area at our headquarters there. So, for the listeners, they may not know that the United States, the Salvation Army of the United States, is split up for organizational purposes into four territories. We're in the Southern Territory, basically Virginia, Maryland, um, Kentucky, then down through Oklahoma and Texas. Um, nobody cares who where the East Ter- Territory is, right? <laughs> but the Central Territory. So tell us a little bit about what the, your map is for the Central Territory, and then uh, yeah. what, do, what kind of things you got going on there. Well, we strategically designed it so we didn't have to deal with hurricanes. So fortunately, <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're we, free and we ready to help us. You come down and help we gave, us. That's right. We gave all the hurricanes to the South. Um, so 
so, but no, it's interesting because we let, we let joke about that, but actually some of the hurricanes have prompted weather systems that have come up and caused flooding for us, even central, mm-hmm. you know, as it moves on up there. So, yeah, so basically we start on the Southwest side in Kansas. We're going to go across to Missouri and Indiana and then kind of straight up to the Canadian borders. We mm-hmm. go up through Nebraska and Iowa and the Dakotas on the West side and then up through Michigan, um, the upper peninsula. So those 11 states makes up the central territory. Okay. And you're right. And then we do come help the other territories as needed. I mean, doing Hurricane Katrina, there were times when they were so overwhelmed with the stuff. There were some sites that we actually had more people from our territory than they did in the South because mm-hmm. as the months went on, you know, the need was so great. We, we, we need each other. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. And it's great to be able to call on folks who haven't been affected so that you all are fresh. You're you're mm-hmm. not having to worry about your own families back home. You're able to right. uh, take off because they're safe. So it's wonderful to be able to reach out and have resources who are well trained and ready to go and anxious to serve when called upon. So thanks for doing that. Yeah, it's an now, honor. Now recently, um, as most people are are aware of, there the fires in Maui, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and that's been. Uh, that's been an amazing, and honestly, I've I've heard I've heard some negativity about as far as uh, how things were prepared for, and 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 that certain things were not mitigated properly. Uh, however, I know that the Salvation Army has been active in helping in the response and recovery phases of that. So, and I know mm-hmm. I know that you had mentioned that you had a couple of folks uh, that were boots on the ground there. What can you tell us about that? If if uh, maybe not a whole lot, but but what can you tell us about your your support there? Yeah. So that that's another example of the situation we're talking about. That's that's not my territory, but we help each other. So mm-hmm. uh, one of the first people that they had requested that I had offered up was uh, my training coordinator. Um, uh, Michael works for me and he's my training coordinator for our territory. But prior to coming here, he was in the Western Territory uh, working as uh, he was the divisional EDS director okay. <laughs> up there. So so he knew the area, knew the people and actually worked to help hire the person who had replaced him. So he was one of their first requests. So we offered him up. He's out there getting information back has been very challenging because they're, you know, quite a few hours behind us on the right. on the t- time zone. And then they're just communications are difficult. But uh, the, the, the words that I'm getting back from him and my other I have another person there who's helping to head up the emotional spiritual care. She's my right hand person at territory headquarters um, is is sad, mm. <laughs> uh, devastating. You know, those types yeah. types of words that that it's just it's, it's unfathomable. Those are types of words that people use. And one of the things and Ron, you know, because you've been in my classes is I teach people to really listen for those words, those themes, because they're very significant. Yep. And so um, but one of the things we know about about Hawaii um and the Hawaiian people is that they're resilient and they take care of themselves. And so, you know, always going into another territory, another location, you know, we go in with this attitude to serve and to supplement and to you know not to supplant their operations. And right. so, so yeah, so I told my people, you're servants and you're there to serve them and to help them however you can help them. But it's just, it's overwhelming, you know, to have just so much destroyed. And I think the big unknowns are still, Close to a thousand people still missing. A lot of those are kids, and mm. so at this late in the game, the news is not going to be good. But uh, um, yeah, it's 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 very it's very very challenging emotionally for the teams there. I'll bet. Um, well, you have well, a question, sir. Well, I just wanted to let you comment on that a little bit more, um, Kevin. You mentioned uh, emotional spiritual care. Um, that's a code word that uh, we know, and as we're 
trained and things like that, but talk about that for just a minute um, as as you've seen it. One of the Salvation Army's distinctives, uh, many different uh, groups or agencies or government uh, groups might go in and provide services. Um, one of our distinctives is the emotional spiritual care from the from the heart of who we are. Will you speak to that just a little bit? And I love how you also said you teach your team to just listen. Just listen to mm-hmm. people and, and be with people. So anyway, talk about um, ESC, as we call it, but emotional spiritual yeah. care. Yeah. Um, so I think when you talked about Ron, that that quote that I said, we heal in community, yeah. you know, yeah. I think the, the one thing, if you go look at like our emotional spiritual care and disasters course or the psychological, spiritual, psychological first aid course, we spend a bunch of those those classes talking about, you know, the, the ministry of presence, of yeah. just really, truly showing up for that person in a way that they need it and then helping them however they, they need, they need to be helped. And so for us, emotional spiritual care, you know, is a hallmark of, of what we do and always has been for William Booth, you know, his whole element of the, of the three, three S's were soup, soap, and salvation. And in that order of priority, you know, is, is if people are hungry and they're anxious about it, you've got to, to provide for those basic needs. You know, the, the second S, I think, is not just about cleanliness. It's about esteem, you know, to help yeah. them have a shave and a haircut and take mm-hmm. a shower and you feel a lot, a lot better at, at, after that. You know, yeah. and then for us, if we don't address the spiritual dimensions and really help to feed their soul as well, um, that's huge. Because we know like in things like the, the disasters and people lose hope, they can actually become more depressed. And there's actually a lot of suicide that happens as people get to those, those stages, too. So. Looking at the research on that, that's why it's so important for us to show up and, you know, really hold space for people and just provide that element of, of community while they rebuild their community. I always kind of refer to myself jokingly as I'm, I'm a rent-a-friend. <laughs> um, so I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a temporary presence until, you know, the real people show up back in their lives. But, you know, with disasters, people get displaced, you know. Yeah. Yeah. They end up having to leave and move or go to another community. And that sense of having connection to those people who are normally your support systems are gone. So, you know, when we as, as a co- go in and create a kind of a temporary community, those bonds form. I mean, across the United States, there's a number of places where we've gone in where we really didn't have a service extension center or core unit there but out of a disaster you know it 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 it, it developed because they're like hey we don't want you to leave now <laughs> so mm-hmm. so yeah so this long-term ramifications and for emotional spiritual care you know i really take that seriously because a lot of people are trained a lot of pastors are trained but a lot of pastors and even counselors are not specifically trained to provide um acute care in times of crisis and trauma and especially grief mm-hmm. you know i mean i had my bachelor's of religious education and pastoral ministry that had an mdiv with over 90 hours and then i went to my doctor married to family therapy and i got a lot of great training but it didn't really prepare me for that frontline crisis acute ministry so that's mm-hmm. where we really started developing in the salvation army and our disaster program mm-hmm. and training some of these classes specifically so for emotional spiritual care, you know, at the basic element, everybody should be providing emotional spiritual care, mm-hmm. right? A cup of coffee and a hot dog with a smile and a hug tastes a whole lot better than just shoving in their face and like, next, right? <laughs> right. So at all, at all level, people who embrace our mission and love God and just bring that love of, of Christ to people, that's at the basic level. But for us, especially in our territory, we have like different years of, of emotional spiritual care from that basic 
coming in there. And then we have the actual people who actually earn that title of a chaplain. And then we have our leadership. There's like 120 hours of, of training that they go through. So, so yeah, I think it's important that we train specifically to help people to be prepared to meet those trauma-related needs. That's great. I love wow. it. Thank you for that. Yeah, and uh, one of the classes that you and and uh, help me in my memory is not nearly as sharp as it once was. But one of the classes that you teach was your either your master's thesis or your your doctoral dis- or dissertation. One of the classes I can't remember which one. Mm-hmm. Well, there there were there were three classes that were a part of it. Um, the the first one was uh, uh, that we wrote was the emotional and spiritual care and disasters courses, and that really trains you how to go into a, a disaster situation to assess the community, assess the needs, and then set up your team strategically, and then strategically implement an emotional and spiritual care plan. Okay. So sometimes we just show up and we're just doing the most good, you know, just walking around. But you know, God, I tell my teams all the time, God can use you in the planning and preparation pays as much as he does when you didn't have time to do that. So um, what I say is, you know, just you really need to look, go into a community very carefully and really assess who is impacted, how are they impacted, and what do they need. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes people have been to one tornado, and then five years later, they go to another tornado, and they think, oh, this community responded this way. This is how it impacted them, so they need X. Yeah. Well, that that's that it's a very different community and very different needs and very different timing. Yeah. So I think that's a really important importance to really assess those things and provide what's actually needed with that. Mm. Hey, did so you wrote that um, ESC course? Is it the same one that we use in the South? Let me ask you that, Kevin. It, it probably is. At one time, we had a whole bunch of people trained when we rolled this out, and this was back in the early mm-hmm. 2005 is when mm-hmm. we old, rolled out the new version. And so, yeah, I had trained some different trainers down there who teach that. And then they've gone on in the South to develop a, a few other courses. Um, one of them was a ministry of presence that was developed mm-hmm. in the Eastern Territory that they added. And then, then they did the emotional spiritual care specialist, I mm-hmm. think. And so those are some additional courses that they've written. So it's continued to, to morph. Um, I have a two-day course that I wrote that's a spiritual psychological first aid course. Mm-hmm. And it really assesses you how to, you know, to be present with people. The first three Ps, there's 10 Ps in that course. The first P is being present. Uh, the second one is is protecting the people. And the third is the practical assistance that the Army is so great at mm-hmm. doing. You know, showing up with the food and the water and the hydration really does ease the anxiety levels of that. So, so yeah. yeah, so there's been other modules that people have developed. Like I have a little course that I do on um, on doing death notifications, you know, self-care. So, and then there's another whole two-day course we do on grief, and that's just specifically to how to help people, you know, in the, in the grief process after loss. Yeah. Well, let me tell you why I'm asking that too, though, Kevin, is um, when trying to help the Florida Division develop the Pathway of Hope program. Oh, um, yeah. Um, we noticed that it was difficult for folks to figure out what was needed for the pastoral care element of Pathway mm-hmm. of Hope. And um, yeah. it was assumed that, well, we well, we already got that down pat because we're pastors, right? But mm-hmm. so thinking that through, what does that need to look like, what all the pieces are, and what are the benefits of it? It's not just social services. It's the whole thing. We used that ESC, or at least we said to folks, if you want something that's already a package deal, it's not the same thing, but it might mm-hmm. serve your purpose as well to just train your people on ESC that so that they're trained for disasters and it will be a benefit to them as they're thinking through the pastoral care part for Pathway of Hope. Mm-hmm. So we used that yeah. material for, for that because we didn't really have anything else. So thank right. you for your work right. on that. 
Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. It, it, it does, you know, while we use it in disasters, it's much broader than that. So, yeah. Sure. So in our territory, we, we constantly are training the social services people, the ARC, mm-hmm. you know, the harbor lights, because, you know, people are people and they're in crisis. And so whether it's a disaster or somebody just died or they lost their house, you know, those mm-hmm. basic principles of care are really, really the poor and really the same. That's great. Thanks for that. Thanks for that work. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Kevin, uh, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but now we, we did mention, uh, off air just before we started recording this. He's still on loan, I think. Yes, you are on loan for, <laughs> for a little bit longer. Uh, that's right. The, uh, you, you, uh, and, and I'm not sure how, how much your wife is involved in the equestrian part, uh, of mm-hmm. the, of the equation. Um, but, uh, but you guys have, uh, an equestrian, uh, therapy, uh, mechanism i don't know what a program <laughs> that you we have that, we have horses <laughs> <laughs> okay so it's a key part of the equestrian it is i hear, I hear that yeah. yeah that's what i heard they usually call it equine assisted coaching or counseling so that's what the kind of the language is okay yeah yeah so i i tell you where it's where it started and this is kind of interesting how god uses things i had actually been down doing a lot of support for the Southern Territory and for the, some of the hurricane stuff. We were seeing a lot of people stuff, and I was really tired and I was really burned out. And so my wife had some friends who let us use their um, their 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 ocean house down on, like, the Outer Banks down yeah. um, in mm-hmm. the Carolinas. Mm-hmm. And so, so she drugged me away from there, and I'm still my type A, busy, busy, busy personality. And so she stole my phone and my computer from me. She said, you need to recover and re- mm. reset <laughs> yourself. Yeah. And so, so she forced me to go ride these horses along the, along the, the beach at sunset. And it was, it was this phenomenal experience. And I, when I got back and I'd had a splitting headache for days and when I was riding these horses, all of a sudden my brain just literally clicked and I felt like it's almost like two plates kind of realigned. Mm. And so we get, I didn't think anything about it. I literally shook my head. And so I got back in the car and she said, how do you feel? I'm like, I feel great. And I said, you know, I really feel like fantastic. And she said, yeah, the horses healed you. I'm like, what do you mean the horses healed you? She said, well, that's what they do. Don't you know about equine therapy? And I'm like, no. So the rest of my vacation, I had to sneak, get my phone back out. And I'm Googling all this stuff and looking it up. And and I, I wanted to figure out scientifically on my brain what had happened in my, my whole body, in my heart and my soul. Yeah. And so I started looking at it. I went and got the training and. So we do a lot of grief and trauma stuff. So we ended up selling our house and buying this little five acre ranch that's across from 250 acres. And so I do a lot of ministry with people in the Salvation Army, but also a lot of cops and stuff who won't quote go for therapy. Mm -hmm. So I don't call it equine assisted therapy. I call it equine assisted coaching. So they'll come out here on the ranch and, and they'll sit with the horses and the animals. And it's amazing when the horse will kind of stand over you, you can just feel God working through that animal to just like, just change your body physiologically. So, mm. so yeah, it's very, 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 very powerful. And so we also, speaking of emotional spiritual care, I can't take the horses out much because they're, they're hard, but we use, uh, we've integrated emotional spiritual care support dogs within mm-hmm. our, uh, disaster yeah. operations. Yeah. And so we actually, they're a part of our team. We hope we've uh, partnered with Hope Animal Assisted Crisis um, people and they, they're amazing. And so we deploy with them jointly. And so, yeah, animals have a wonderful power of, of healing. And so my whole thing I hear that I do, and this is part from the Salvation Army, though I use it in ministry, it's called Reset Ranch. Because I think those of us who are in ministry and doing this stuff with emotional, spiritual care and giving to others, we've got to stop and reset ourselves. So mm-hmm. the interesting thing from having been a married to family therapist and a trauma counselor for many years, at the end of a day of sessions, I used to be totally, completely wiped out. Whereas at the end of the whole day of sessions now, if I do it like on a weekend, 
I'm totally completely renewed. So while while the people are healing, it's actually rejuvenating me. So yeah, it's very very That's powerful. Awesome. So yeah, yeah. So, so go find a go find a horse this evening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's true. And something about being in God's nature and uh, getting away from the yeah. office and and uh, whatever else uh, changes. And uh, yeah, yeah, they're beautiful animals. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah, well, we don't do that, and that's a big thing I found is with all of society, it totally uh, takes us the way to how we were designed to heal, to be in touch with the earth, to be out in nature, to breathe in the air, to look at the, the things, to slow down, you know, not being bombarded by our phones. And so that's something that I've really shifted over the past probably five years and taken time for myself to renew. And so I think it's a reminder if we have any pastors or counselors or disaster workers, you know, listening to this says, Hey, stop and take care of yourself because you cannot help others. If you don't, if you aren't emotionally, relationally and spiritually healthy yourself. Mm, so great. God, God, yeah. de- God demands that. And that's why he created the Sabbath. And so, you know, and a lot of pastors work on the Sunday and there's that, you know, that's, that's, that's the nature, but what is your Sabbath? Is it Monday? Is it Sunday? And so I'm relentless with really, you know, practicing that myself, but then really challenging others to, to do that as well. Go find a horse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah go find a horse. <laughs> That's well, awesome. Yeah. Really well, Kevin, thank you so much for, for sharing all of this with us and, and for sharing a little bit of yourself. Um, we, yeah. uh, we are grateful uh, from all of us that work within the Salvation Army. We are grateful for what you do uh, in your territory uh, and um, across the country. Uh, obviously, you and your team are obviously helping out even far away. Uh, so thank you for all that you do. Thank you for the work that you put in. Uh, to disaster services. Uh, we are yeah. very grateful for that. And um, yeah. we're, we're, we don't want to take up any more of your time, but again, thank you for your time today. Uh, Thanks, sir. Again, yeah. this is Dr. Kevin Ellers uh, in the Central Territory based in Chicago. Thank you so much, sir. Yeah, no problem. And thanks again for taking all the hurricanes away from Central Territory. We really appreciate it. Just keep it that way. <laughs> we'll be your yeah, shield. We'll do the best okay. okay, bye. Okay, bye. And welcome back to Salvation Army's Behind the Shield. My name is Ron, and I am sitting here with the man, the myth, the legend, Major Cameron Henderson, who is going to be bringing us the devotion for today. You, I'm glad you included my name in there because I wasn't sure who the man, the myth, and the legend was, well, except that maybe I've been gone a lot this past, uh, during this last uh, summer. And well, so it's been a lot. It's been pretty busy. So myth. It maybe. was becoming clear that you weren't, Certain who I was talking anymore. about. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I'm here today. Well, we're looking forward to the devotion for today, sir. <laughs> well, I, I'm enjoying the conversation about serving times of opportunities to serve in the midst of a disaster. Um, uh, it's, it's a great uh, topic um, for maybe uh, multiple reasons, but for one of them is because um, times of serving in disaster, it's indiscriminate. Uh, when a disaster hits, it hits True. everybody in its path, yep. and um, it's a it's it's a an equalizer, and and that's not a wonderful thing, but um, it it's an opportunity to realize, wow, I I have great needs as well, um, yep. because we can tend to be pretty um, self um, uh, contained and take care of ourselves, and and lose track of the fact that I really need help yep. sometimes. 
Um, when I was um, in Arlington, my wife and I were stationed in Arlington, Virginia, our first appointment. Um, so wow. we were there in 1998, and we left there in 2003. One of the things that happened during that is um, September 11th, mm-hmm. a plane hit the Pentagon. Yeah. And um, terrorists attacking the Pentagon, and it sent our whole area, uh, as the whole country, but sent our whole area into into uh, chaos. Yeah, um, everything shut down. Um, I'm jumping way ahead, past the immediate to the recovery. Everything shut down, and that was, you know, less than a mile from our Salvation Army building. Yeah. and so we were. The, not we, as in us, because we were brand new lieutenants going, I have no idea what to do. But the Salvation Army just came in and uh, really took over uh, operations, serving right there on the Pentagon for months, but yeah. serving the community for months as well mm-hmm. and caring for folks. And I'll, I'll always remember this one man who said to us, I don't remember what country he was from. He was um, from the Middle East somewhere. It may have been from Pakistan. I tend to remember that. Um, because we hired a temporary um, bookkeeper during that time to help us keep up with yeah. the finances during the time, and he was Pakistani as well. But this man came up to us and, and asked for help and said, thanks for the help. But here's what he said, too, was, I take care of myself. And when I moved here to this country, I heard all these people asking for help, asking for charity, donations, and everything. And he said, I, it, I kind of got... Um, not frustrated, that's not the word he used, but he was just kind of like, why Why do you need help? Everybody should just take care of themselves and everybody will be fine. Yeah. And he said, and then this happens to me, and I realize I can't take care of myself sometimes. Mm-hmm. I'm, And now I understand this whole concept of charity here. I didn't understand it before. It was yeah. it was a sobering moment for me too, going, wow, that, that really is um, interesting and, and helpful. Um, at one point in Luke chapter 8, <clears throat> Excuse me. In Luke chapter eight, um, Jesus is confronted with a man named Jairus, who was a synagogue r- ruler, and he came to Jesus and fell at his feet, pleading with him, desperate. Here's the the the, the leader uh, in his community um, had wealth and had um, uh, strength of, of of person and had um, uh, wealth. Uh, what is it? Um, Favorability in the community had yeah. had everything, so mm-hmm. to speak, and yet his daughter is dying, mm-hmm. uh, about twelve years old, dying, and runs to Jesus, dropping at Jesus' feet. All of a sudden, realizing I cannot take care of myself in this situation, yeah. I desperately need help. And Jesus begins to go to help him, mm-hmm. and so Jesus is going to this man who has all of the means and all of the connections in the community, and on the way, a woman who had a terrible disease and had a disease for years reaches out in the midst of the crowd and touches Jesus and yeah. is healed by Jesus in that moment. So here is a woman with no means, no power, no yeah. nothing, reaching out and finding healing power of Jesus Christ, not just the healing power, but a personal connection by Jesus. Then Jesus turns back to Jairus, and Jairus is told, your daughter is dead. Mm -hmm. Jesus tells him, she's not dead, she's asleep. And Jesus goes to his house and heals her, heals this little 12-year-old child, my Mm -hmm. child, get up. And all of a sudden, of course, the, the, the man so desperate discovers Jesus has helped and Saved yeah. his daughter and helped him. Here's two dynamically different 
personalities, both the exact same, reaching out to Jesus, who was their only answer and their only help. Yeah. Um, I was talking to my mother um, about dis- her disaster work. I'll always remember a story that she told. And um, she told of a time when we were stationed, and I was a, I was a kid, or I was a young adult. I guess I was going in, through college at that mm-hmm. time. And they were stationed in Cumberland, Maryland, in the mountains of Cumberland, a yeah. little tiny section of Maryland right in between Pennsylvania and West Virginia. And um, Cumberland was a very sweet place, very humble place with some great people, hardworking people working folks. Mm-hmm. And there was flooding, which seemed so wild because it's in the mountains. So yeah. how in the world flooding? Well, when there's enough rain, I guess the table rises and it begins to pour out on people who have never experienced flooding and never worried about flooding yeah. at all. And all of a sudden, the whole community is is um, struck by flooding indiscriminately, yeah. apparently. I don't live near a river and yet here's a flood wow. and it's just pouring out all yeah. over. I wasn't there, so it's hard for me to describe it or even imagine it. But that's the scenario my mother finds herself in. She and my dad, Salvation Army ministers, saying, well, we got to do something. What do we do? I don't know. We just got to go try to find ways to help. So they began to go door to door. They began to go neighborhood to neighborhood, they and their team, and say, how can we help? What help do you need? I don't know how in the world I'll be able to help you, but I know this. As soon as you ask me for help, or even before you ask me for help, Jesus already knows you need that help. Right. And so we're going to ask him to be the provider or the helper in some small or large way of what you need. Yeah. Going around that community, they came across a farmer. They came across this farmer, and this is where the story gets funny, but if you laugh, then you're a mean person. <laughs> uh, see? Oh, man. <clears throat> this, farmer, <laughs> this farmer says to my mother, I have lost my pot-bellied pig, mm-hmm. my Vietnamese <laughs> pot-bellied pig. And mom, of course, has no sense of what this is about. <laughs> but she says, you've lost your what? You know, your, my pig. Okay, and so she begins to put her brain around what in the world are we going to do? But this man says this. He says, we've had her for eight years. She's our pet. And I saw her get washed away suddenly. Mm-hmm. I saw her floating, taken away by the river. And she can't swim. And she drowned. And I watched this happen. And obviously we don't know where her body is anymore. And our family is just broken. I don't need anything else. Yeah. How in the world can you help us with this? And so they began to go to work. What in the world can we do to help this farmer? What was the one thing he needed? He needed the pig. He needed yeah. a family member. He needed, well, you can't replace the family member, right. obviously. Um, but they began to go to work. And eventually found this other, a farmer who was raising these pigs and was able to bring um, a, a new pig to this family yeah. and just r- tried to find some way to bring healing to this, this, this family who was in the, across the border in West Virginia and just find healing, find a way to bring healing and peace and, and comfort to this family who really didn't need anything but had a terrible sense of loss in their family. Yeah. My my thought is on our listeners now, who may or may not be. We had storms here not long ago, but um, may or may not have uh, a, a, a nat- natural disaster um, um, experiencing right now. But yeah. you know, you never know what tomorrow holds. You know, just pray for that. But um, 
but you might find yourself with needs that you might have no way to know, how can I get help in my situation? Maybe it's my daughter mm-hmm. or my child. Maybe it's a sickness. Maybe it's a pet or a family member. Maybe it's financials or finances, or maybe it's a home. Or maybe you just find yourself lost, and I need Christ. And it has nothing to do with how much money you have. It has nothing to do with your your um, strength in the community, with, with who you are. It yeah. has to do with your personal need. At the end of the day, our need is Christ. Right. Our need is the Father who loves us, mm-hmm. sent us his Son, because we were in a disaster. We were all torn up and ripped up. Yep. We all had done it to ourselves by our sin. Yep. But he sees us, and he sends true help. Yeah. First, Christ, to die on the cross, to forgive us for our sins. And secondly, to send the Holy Spirit that he might walk alongside us, dwell inside of us mm-hmm. in order to help us to live for God yeah. and to have a full life. My, my thought goes to a song in our songbook, and you may know this song as well, but it's from Philippians chapter 2, verse 10. It talks about, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. And I'll leave you with that thought. It seems like I've brought songs the last, or at least several times, not too long ago, but I'll just share these words with you. Um, and you may be very familiar with it. He is Lord. He is Lord. He is risen from the dead, and He is Lord. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. No matter what you're going through, no matter what your situation is, no matter how terrible, traumatic your need is, Uh, To you or to others, he is Lord, and he's risen from the dead. Mm -hmm. He's conquered that. He can care for you as well. So God bless you in your name. And we're back with more of the Salvation Army's Behind the Shield. My name is Ron Day. It is Ron Day. All day. All day. I am the eighth day. Uh, Anyways, (laughs) still sitting here with our area commander, Major Cameron Henderson. And uh, wait a minute. Huh? Before you go any further, that mm-hmm. sounds like an inside joke or a family joke. What is the eighth day? What? <laughs> well, I worked in a factory for a while, okay. and uh, one day I walked into a group of supervisors who were sitting there going over the budget. And as I walked in, they turned and said, Run day! And they pointed at me and all laughed and smiled and everything. And then I had to ask that very question, what's the joke? And they said, we were just saying, we need an eighth day. And then I walked in. <laughs> Maybe you were from a family of eight kids or something like that. Nope, not at all. I'm, oh, okay. uh, I was raised as an only child, so That's I was the only day. Not as much of a fun answer as I thought it was going to be. Because I thought I would get some family history and be able to use it for a good long time. But well, uh, I do have some stories. We'll share those off here. That's okay. Yeah, you just... You just wasted about an hour, I mean, about a minute of the audience's time. I apologize okay. to, to well, everybody. Let, let's move on to something a little more significant. Oh, okay, sure. Uh, we, we, uh, you have been away for a little while, and uh, I've missed you terribly, Aww. sir. I, mean, I know. That's why I went away. I know. <laughs> so I, so I would appreciate you more. I, I understand. <laughs> so, But you've been away, and you've actually been somewhere kind of, uh, kind of cool. You shared a little bit of, of that with us earlier in the week. Yeah. Um, if you wouldn't mind, tell us a little bit about where you were. Hickory, North Carolina. Oh. Well, actually, uh, <laughs> that was the first place. So we went there for a little bit of vacation to mm-hmm. wish um, 
our well, I call her my mother, but our mother, my mother-in-law, my mm-hmm. wife's mother, um, an 80th uh, birthday, a, a wonderful 80th birthday. So that was a nice time to be there mm-hmm. for a few minutes with them, or a few days. Um, but um, I got to be part of uh, the Salvation Army's National Seminar on Holiness, mm-hmm. and uh, it happens every other year. And uh, typically it's uh, uh, soldiers of the Salvation Army or members of the Salvation Army, but sometimes a few others, uh, like there was a couple of others there who were, one's a volunteer to the Salvation Army, one was an employee, but but folks who are very much engaged and connected with the Salvation Army gathering together uh, to talk about holiness, mm-hmm. to talk about what the Salvation Army believes yeah. um, in holiness. And um, so um, it's one of our doctrines that's the privilege of all believers to yeah. be wholly sanctified and mm-hmm. so what do we mean by that when we say that and to help our soldiers understand what that means where we get it from what's the scriptural background what's yeah. the historical background um what does it mean and it was a wonderful time to be away we've only that we we do seminars like that often to keep that going but that particular one for about a week, um, it's only gone on twice now. They just started doing it every other year. Okay. So I was excited to be able to be a part of that. Um, and it, well, go ahead. Well, no, that was that was located in a beautiful place, too. Oh, man. So um, it, it's the second time I've been there, but the first time I've been to that specific location. So mm-hmm. Colorado Springs, yeah. Colorado, which I've been there once before, and I've uh, got to go to beautiful places, Garden of the Gods, and uh, just see the mountains and, mm-hmm. and whatever else. So from an eastern, uh, uh, well, Atlantic seaboard yeah. kind of guy to go see those mountains is just incredible. So it's Gardens of the Galaxy? Gardens of the Galaxy, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And um, I, I, I didn't see all of them, but um, but I did see uh, where they were from, I guess, the Garden <laughs> of the Gods. <clears throat> but it's a it's a little, um, a, a beautiful place called Glen Erie. Mm-hmm. Glen Erie is owned by the Navigators. Okay, it's um it's a property owned by you know the the previous owners from back in the 1800s. I'm sorry, I'm hitting the cables here, um, from the 1800s, um, and uh, eventually was um, sold off, and the Navigators purchased it and use it now for Christian retreats and conference centers and yeah. conferences and things like that, like ours. Mm-hmm. And uh, my goodness, it was an incredible place. Um, what I'd what I'd love to do uh, is share with the audience at some point the some of the main speakers from that event. Yeah. There's some um, people who become friends now. Dr. Bill Yuri yeah. and his and his wife Reverend Diane Yuri. Bill and Diane are just the most humble, um, just uh, honest people who just say, "I'd love to teach you and share with you what the beauty of God's holiness is." Yeah. Um, we so easily can move into, well, it's the list of do's and don'ts, and that's holiness, mm-hmm. or God is perfection and we never will be, or yeah. whatever else. What are, but they say, no, it's this beautiful relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ by, and by the uh, indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and yeah. he invites us into a beautiful relationship with him. How close can we connect to God? Yeah. How, how, how much unity can we have with God? Um, that's the beauty of holiness. Amen. And they love they they teach that in such a beautiful way. They um, they as they say put the cookies on the bottom shelf so you can really understand. <laughs> I mean these these folks have they're really um, brilliant minds, but um, they're just really humble, genuine people. So I'd love to introduce them to the audience. Uh, some of the audience listening may be aware of them, um, but um, I'd love to share with them more. But I had the chance to be at that event. It was just wonderful. So the event was some teaching 
uh, some preaching, um, also uh, a lot of small groups, so just connecting in small groups, mm-hmm. um, like what we just heard. We heal in community. I think we also disciple in community. Yeah. And uh, when we try to disciple alone, we, we tend to lose the key aspect of learning to love one another. Yeah. Um, so discipling in community is one of the things that we tried to really practice. And it was also an opportunity to try to give some tools, not just knowledge, but tools to the folks as they would return home from yeah. all over the country. Mm-hmm. So met folks from California and Hawaii. Um, In fact, we're checking on her. Hey, how are you doing? Are you safe? She finally said, I'm on a different island, y'all. It's not coming my way, but I appreciate your concern. So, you know, we're we're dumb. We have no idea. (laughs) It's all Hawaii to us anyway. She said, no, we're just fine. So uh, just meeting people from all over the country was wonderful and uh, connecting with them in a small group uh, way as well. And, um, and then also just uh, learning and being reminded of some spiritual formation things. So there's yeah. information to learn, and there is discussion within small groups to, to let it make impact, and, and the way Wesley did, to make it change mm-hmm. me, to allow God to change me through that small group moments. Yeah. And then the spiritual formation times. So it was just a really, really beautiful time there. And we got, I got to, we had a day of excursion, we went up to Pikes Peak, I've mm-hmm. heard of it, but never been to it. Yeah, it's really high up in the air, <laughs> like fourteen thousand feet. So you yeah. know, I I looked it up. I thought, well, you know, we're kind of in the mountains here in Knoxville, whatever. Mm-hmm. No, we're like nine hundred feet or something <laughs> like that. So yeah, fourteen thousand feet. We're just lots of water and some Tylenol to get used to the height difference. Yeah. Um, um, where we were staying was six thousand feet, so you felt a little different. But when mm-hmm. you went up to or maybe eight thousand. I can't remember, but uh, we were we were in the mountains mm-hmm. and it was gorgeous, and incredible. So just a really really nice time. Um, I look forward to soon maybe uh, introducing if, if they'll if they'll come on, um, introducing the audience. To, That'd be fantastic. Uh, to what are their the names Uri's. again? Bill and Diane Yuri. Bill and Bill Diane, Diane Yuri. Yeah, yeah, they're great um, great folks. So they're the national um, ambassadors for holiness. Um, they work for our national headquarters in Alexandria, Virginia. And just travel around the country, uh, write for the Salvation Army, and preach and teach wow. um, you know, who it is and and uh, who the, what this uh, holiness is and how we yeah. describe it and understand it in our doctrines. That's awesome. I yeah. love that. Well, I'm glad you got to experience that and got to be there. Um, we uh, we did miss you, and uh, but you needed the break uh, at the front end of that trip, and then uh, I know you uh, I know you really needed that enrichment that you received while you were there um, because. Uh, you carry a lot here, and we're grateful for you. But uh, we we thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. Appreciate it. Um, it's tough being away. Um, you know, you you you're busy. You go go go. But mm-hmm. uh, kind of like what Kevin said, um, you know that uh, you, you have to pull away and yeah. and to be still. So I'm so appreciative of you all carrying the load and uh, and my wife carrying the load, so I could go do that. But what a beautiful time. Um, yeah, maybe you can go with me next time. Two years, set Ooh, the clock. That would be great. Yeah. Be I'm awesome. very excited about that. Yeah, very cool. Well, thank you once again uh, to Dr. Kevin Ellers for joining us yeah. today. Uh, wonderful interview, and uh, and uh, he is hard at work uh, in the Central Territory 
uh, in emergency disaster services. If you yourself would like to partner with us and our many programs that we have going on here in East Tennessee in the Knoxville area, all you got to do is find us online at Knoxville or at SalvationArmyKnoxville.org. You can also give us a call at 865-525-9401. And you can also, as Beans likes to say, hit us up on social media at Facebook and Instagram. Uh, you can find us there as well. Where so is she today? Uh, you know, she's what what uh, elusive. Oh. That's the uh, okay. word. She, she hates it when I use that oh, word. We but missed her. Yeah. She's elusive. She has other duties that she has to do. That's what she says. She's important. Yeah. So, <laughs> so hopefully she'll be back with us next time. But until next time, please go out and do the most good to everyone that you meet. Thanks for listening to the Salvation Army's Behind the Shield. If you have an idea for a guest or for any questions about the show, reach out to us at ron.day at uss.salvationarmy.org. Or you can visit salvationarmysoundcast.org forward slash BTS for more information.